well, well, it is that time again for another edition of the Mblex Test Prep Podcast. Once again, I am David, uh, your host on this wondrous journey through the Massage and Bodywork Licensing Examination, getting you ready to take that test. So before we begin, as always, I have study guides available. Just visit mblextestprep.com, click on the study guides tab, and that'll take you to all of my study guides. I have the dedicated Mblex uh, test prep book, the study guide. I have a study guide that has 10 practice tests and flashcards pre-made. All you have to do is cut them out. saves you a lot of time and money. And I have another book called Kinesiology Made Easy, which can really help you study kinesiology, even if your Mblex isn't coming up. Uh, so definitely check that out. Each one available on my website. Once again, mblextestprep.com. If you have purchased any of my study guides, please, please, please consider leaving a review on amazon.com for me of those books. Reviews go a long way towards helping me make a living and providing for my family and would be much appreciated. So please consider reviewing my guides. Um, all right. So let's, um, We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the blood. <laughs> Let's talk about the blood. Uh, the blood is one of many different forms of connective tissue. It, in fact, is the most abundant form of connective tissue in the body. So you think about all the different types of connective tissue we have. We have bone, we have tendons, ligaments, cartilage, fascia, etc., etc. There is more blood in the body than any of those. And that's, I mean, there's a lot of blood in your body. Uh, many liters of blood, about five liters of blood in an average human body. So that's, that's a ton of blood floating around in your body. So with blood, we have four main parts. Um, three are specifically types of cells. We have erythrocytes, leukocytes, and thrombocytes. And then the fluid component of blood is plasma. So what is the main function of blood? What is it primarily responsible for? Like, what, what's, why do we have blood? What does blood do? Blood is primarily responsible for transportation of nutrients. And when we talk about nutrients, there are a lot of things that can be transported by blood. Uh, oxygen is one nutrient. Uh, hormones produced by endocrine glands are another. Uh, other cells that we'll talk about a, a little bit later are also transported by blood. Waste is also transported by blood. So it doesn't just transport nutrients, it also transports waste around the body, either in the body uh, to specific parts of the body to get rid of the waste or, or um, you know, sometimes there are dead cells and stuff floating around in the blood that other blood cells try to take care of and get out of the body. We'll talk about those in just a minute. So 
the, the primary function of the blood is transportation. So it transports nutrients and waste throughout the body. Okay, so let's talk about these blood cells. So the first type of blood cell we have is called an erythrocyte. Now, of course, you should always study your medical terminology. If you have my study guide, there's a huge list of medical terms in that book that you should study and follow the video, follow along with the video that where I can kind of discuss each one of those terms and give you examples of when we use those terms. So erythro means red. Site means cell. So an erythrocyte is a red cell. It's a red blood cell. So red blood cells, uh, their appearance is kind of strange. It, they kind of look like donuts, but the center hasn't been removed from them. So they're kind of kind of have this indentation in the middle on both sides. So what is the primary function of erythrocytes? Red blood cells only have one function. Again, they're responsible for transportation. So what substances do they transport throughout the body? Very important substances. One is a nutrient, one is a waste product. Erythrocytes transport oxygen and carbon dioxide throughout the body. That's all the erythrocytes do, is just transport oxygen and carbon dioxide. Now, inside of hemoglobin, the cytoplasm, the fluid portion uh, inside the cell, is made of iron. And that iron compound is what the erythrocyte, or the, uh, excuse me, the oxygen and carbon dioxide attach to in the erythrocytes. What is the name of that iron compound in the cytoplasm of erythrocytes? Well, it starts with an H. What do you think? If you guessed hemoglobin, you are correct. So the iron compound inside the cytoplasm of erythrocytes is called hemoglobin. Means Hemo means blood, globin means protein. So it's a blood protein, quote-unquote. So the oxygen and carbon dioxide attach to the hemoglobin. They only attach, attach one at a time. So the Erythrocytes can't carry oxygen and carbon dioxide at the same time. They only carry oxygen or carbon dioxide. So when the oxygen enters, you know, we talked about um, we talked about the heart and exchange of gas in the lungs uh, a couple couple episodes ago. When the oxygen attaches to the erythrocyte, the blood cell will move further through the body. It'll go back to the heart. The heart will pump it throughout the body. Then the oxygen will be released from the erythrocyte and go into the tissue that requires the oxygen, whether it be muscle um, or, or anything like that. Uh, then carbon dioxide, the waste product produced when gas exchange occurs, attaches to the erythrocytes and it comes all the way back up to the lungs, where it is then expelled from the body through exhalation. Okay, then it, once the carbon dioxide detaches from the erythrocytes, oxygen attaches to the erythrocytes. It's a never-ending cycle. 
So you're, you constantly have that gas exchange occurring. So oxygen never attaches when carbon dioxide is attached to the erythrocyte. Carbon dioxide never attaches when oxygen is attached to the, to the erythrocyte. Okay, so erythrocytes transport oxygen and carbon dioxide throughout the body with hemoglobin. Again, that's the substance in the cytoplasm that oxygen and carbon dioxide attach to. Okay, leukocytes. Now think of our medical terms, leuco. Leuco means white. So we got erythrocytes means red, red cells. Leukocyte means white cells. So these are our white blood cells. Okay. So, and we have a, a many, many different types of leukocytes. So leukocyte is just kind of a general term for a lot of different types of white blood cells like T cells or basophils, uh, natural killer cells, etc., etc. Okay, leukocytes are what we call phagocytes. The term phago means eat. So leukocytes are cells that eat things. Now we, th we primarily, think, primarily think of leukocytes as, as our body's immune system, right? So the leukocytes go into an area where there might be some sort of bacteria building up, and they start to eat the bacteria, and that destroys them. And that's how we kind of fight off infections inside of our body, minor infections. Now, sometimes infections can get past the point where, where they're safe for us to manage on our own. Might lead to, you know, if, if they're blood infections, it's called septicemia, and that can be um, really bad, could be life-threatening. Uh, you could have fever, body chills, uh, body aches. Uh, vomiting, etc., etc. Uh, definitely not good. Um, so the leukocytes. If, I mean, if if that if stuff like that happens, then we have then we might be prescribed antibiotics to fight off the infection. So it just adds a little bit extra help to to the body's immune system. Antibiotics, but leukocytes because they are phagocytes, they eat things, right? So we. Again, we primarily think of them as eating the bacteria that should not be in the body, but they also eat other things like dead cells that are in our body. There's, I mean, we have to get rid of those dead cells, right? They also get rid of debris that might be in our body. So we, if, let's say you get a tattoo, and I have tattoos all over my body, um, so I'm definitely aware of this. When you get a tattoo, you're putting little things of ink inside your skin every time that needle goes in your body. The reason tattoos fade over time is because the white blood cells go into the area and start to eat at the ink. Now, of course, it takes a long time for, for any fading to start occurring in tattoos. Now, what, when people get uh, tattoo removal done, the laser actually breaks up the ink into much smaller pieces, and that allows the white blood cells to go in and really do a great job of eating all of the ink. So that's ultimately what causes the, the ink to disappear, is your white blood cells. 
That's it's fascinating, I know. Um, so, leukocytes eat things. So it's not just bacteria that they eat. They also clean up tissue, um, clean up any, any dead cells that may be in an area. Like if you get a cut or something, you're going to have tissue damage. White blood cells will go in the area and clean up all of the dead tissue so that we can build fresh tissue on top of the area. So leukocytes, very important. Phagocytosis, that's called P-H-A-G-O-C-Y-T-O-S-I-S. Phagocytosis, I did that off the top of my head. You can be impressed. So leukocytes are phagocytes. They perform phagocytosis. They eat things, uh, specifically bacteria, but also dead cells and debris floating around in their body. Okay, thrombocytes. A thrombus is a blood clot. So thrombocytes, basically all they do is clot the blood. Now thrombocytes do have another name, a name you might be more familiar with. They are called platelets. Okay, so platelets are thrombocytes. Thrombocytes are platelets. Okay, so how these, um, how the thrombocytes clot the blood is pretty simple. Inside the plasma, floating around in the plasma, are cells called um uh, fibrinogen okay so fibrinogen floats around and then once the thrombocytes detect that there is a cut somewhere uh, it turns the fibrinogen into fibrin now the fibrin you can kind of think of as kind of like a band-aid or or some gauze that attaches to the area where bleeding is occurring and what that does is it kind of seals up that area and prevents blood from moving uh, out of the body or out of that specific area. So it stops bleeding. Right? So our thrombocytes attach to the fibrin, hold them in place, hold the fibrin in place, and it creates kind of a band-aid that prevents us from bleeding. And that's essentially all thrombocytes do is they just stop you from bleeding. Right? Thrombo means clot. So it's a cell that clots, a thrombocyte cell that clots. Okay, then we have plasma. Now, like I said earlier, plasma is the fluid portion of the blood. So if you didn't have plasma, your blood cells would not move. We wouldn't be able to transport our erythrocytes, leukocytes, thrombocytes, any hormones, any fibrin, any... Uh, fibrinogen, excuse me, any, anything like that, we wouldn't be able to transport it if we didn't have plasma. So plasma is, is mostly made of water. Plasma is about 56% of your blood. So if you take out, I don't know, 100 milligrams, 56 milligrams of that would be plasma. Okay? Then the, then the rest, the 44%, would be your blood cells uh, and other substances floating around in your plasma. Okay, so plasma is primarily made of water, again. Um, so make sure you're drinking plenty of water. You need, you need a lot of water in your body. Uh, your body is mostly made of water, but if you go without water for, you know, even a short period of time, bad things start to happen inside your body, uh, and it definitely can affect your plasma. So uh, make sure you're drinking plenty of water. Definitely important. All right, so that's our little uh, 
discussion on blood. So we will take a quick break. When we come back, question of the week. Now it's time for question of the week. So when we do question of the week, we don't only just list a question. Uh, we try to figure out how to come up with the answer to that question. So let's get started. Adductor magnus has a common origination site with which muscle group? A. Wrist flexors. B. Quadriceps. C, rotator cuff, D, hamstrings. So let's read that one more time. Adductor magnus has a common origination site with which muscle group? A, wrist flexors, B, quadriceps, C, rotator cuff, D, hamstrings. All right, so when we get these questions, again, we need to figure out what the answer is by utilizing a few test-taking techniques. So, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, we need to identify our keywords. So, our keywords, adductor magnus and origination site, right? Muscle group, uh, all four of those listed are muscle groups, so that's not really a keyword because they all apply to that one word. So the two keywords, key terms that we need to know, adductor magnus and origination site. So basically it's asking, I mean, well, the, the question kind of explains it all. Um, ad, which, which origin of adductor magnus is shared by one of these muscle groups? Um, so that's one of the first things that we do. Uh, when we get a question. We identify the keywords. When we identify keywords, we have to make sure that we are reading every single word and every single question. So make sure you're taking your time reading these questions so that you're not confusing things like origination site with insertion site. You need to think about these terms, figure out exactly what they mean, and then go from there. Okay, so adductor magnus has a common origination site with which muscle group? A, wrist flexors, B, quadriceps, C, rotator cuff, D, hamstrings. I can eliminate two answers from that. Now, eliminating answers is definitely an important thing. So which two can I eliminate? I know that adductor magnus is part of the adductor muscle group, which is on the medial portion of the thigh, right? So there are two of those that are nowhere near the thigh. So I can eliminate A, wrist flexors, which are, you know, on the, on the anterior forearm, and C, the rotator cuff. And all of those muscles originate on the scapula and insert onto the humerus. So by eliminating those answers, I only have two left. Two left, that's it. So now it's a 50-50 shot, a coin flip. So even if you don't really know the answer, you got a 50-50 shot at this point. Just because you know that adductor magnus is in the thigh 
and the wrist flexors and the rotator cuff is not. Okay. So what do you think? Now this one eh, might be a little tricky because adductor magnus is on the medial portion of the thigh. Quadriceps are on the anterior side of the thigh. And the hamstrings are on the posterior side of the thigh. Now, as far as the quadriceps are concerned, there's only one quadricep muscle that crosses the hip, which adductor, muscle, adductor magnus also does, and that's rectus femoris. But they do not originate at the same place. Rectus femoris originates on the anterior inferior iliac spine, so on the ilium. Adductor magnus, one of the originations of that muscle, is the ischial tuberosity, which is where all three hamstring muscles originate. Okay, so the four muscles that you need to know that originate on the ischial tuberosity, semimembranosus, semitendinosus, biceps femoris, and adductor magnus. So the answer, adductor magnus has a common origination site with which muscle group? The answer is D, the hamstrings. All of those muscles originate on the ischial tuberosity. So again, you identify your key words. You read every single word in every single question. You eliminate answers, and that can help you figure out the answer that it can be. Okay. So that about wraps it up for today. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Really quick before I leave, again, uh, I do have those study guides available. Visit mblextestprep.com. Uh, I want to give a shout out to people that have provided me music uh, to make this podcast just a little more entertaining. Uh, my dear friend Rhiannon and her band Stabby Unicorn. Uh, you can check them out on Spotify, I believe. Uh, and the Brian Titus Trio. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure where you can check them out. Maybe Spotify, SoundCloud etc. Just find them. Brian Titus. YouTube, definitely. Brian Titus Trio. And until next time, this is David saying farewell.